And welcome back to Fully Equipped, a live edition from Barmore, which is, I'm going to say it was a five-minute drive from the media parking lot. <laughs> yeah. On my way back from the Country Club at Brookline, here with my buddy, Ryan Brath. RB, what's going on? Welcome to Massachusetts. Yeah, this is the second time I've been here now. I was at, uh, I guess, six six years ago, came down for my birthday, did, did Fenway. I don't know if I'm going to get a chance to get over there this time, but... Uh, Rather than seeing something historically baseball-wise, we're going to see something historically golf-wise at the Country Club, which I'm really excited for. Yeah, this is this is one of the five charter golf clubs for the USGA. Francis, we met, wins when he was a complete unknown, 1913 US Open. So there's a ton of history at this golf course, and it was cool. You know, I'm I'm used to going to majors, and you walk around, and it's typically a big ballpark. And other than I would say Marion. Recently, they just feel kind of corporate. I'm, I'm yeah. just going to say, yeah. say what it is. They feel corporate. And I, I stepped on the grounds here, and it just feels different. It's got, a, it's got a really unique vibe to it. The clubhouse is something straight out of the, you know, basically from when we met one yeah, in 1913. It's it does. It has a ton of history. You can tell a lot of the guys are excited to play this layout. It's still 7,200 yards. So we're, we're not playing a short course, but it has some fun holes, a couple of short par threes. I'm totally out on the long par threes and majors. I, I would much rather watch a guy struggle on a short par three and have you, to figure it out. You mentioned Marion, and it made me think of uh, when Phil had the chance on the little short par three and he missed coming down this. I believe it was Marion. Yeah, it was Marion. Yep. Yeah, coming down the stretch. And yep. it was like 120 yards. Yeah. Missed the green bogey. And like that was kind of like his chance, right? So the, the especially when you think of what happens when you de-loft a wedge or add a little bit of loft to a wedge, there's a lot of spin fluctuation there. That's dis distance control. Yeah. And when you're coming down the stretch of a US Open, that's important. Yeah, it is very important. You hear a lot of these guys. I heard Justin Thomas last week when he was on, was it 16th, the par three? Yes, yeah, the yeah. rank, yeah. So he was talking to Bones, and I heard him mention on Sunday when he's right there, you know, within, I think basically a shot of the lead of Rory, and he mentioned to him adrenaline. And you, you hear a lot of pros accounting for adrenaline in those situations, which I always find to be interesting, because I wonder how do you, how do you account for that? I've never had to do it, luckily. Yeah, you, you and I have never had I, an account for adrenaline before. I know, like, it's, if it's, like, really hot out, you're kind of, like, you know, I'm feeling really loose. Like, I might get one up there a little longer. But, like, other than that, I've never really had to worry about the heart rate. And I've never really worn any type of those monitors or anything like that, which I think is something I'd be really curious to, to find out. But those short holes do play a big role. And, you know, going from one National Open, Canadian Open, uh, to another, we saw that from Rory on that same hole. On Sunday, he came up short. Yeah, made uh, I think he made both. So that was I think they got tied, and then uh, Rory ended up winning it either way. But it uh, those par threes are important. You know, everyone talks about the rough. You got a perfect lie, you can tee it up. But what happens when you've got a perfect lie and you have to make the really tough shot, right? And I think that to me is what makes it very interesting. Yeah. So before we get right into all the U.S. Open talk, and there's actually a lot going on as we're recording this on a Tuesday. What was it like last week? I mean, that was one of the deepest fields that we've seen at the Canadian Open. And you end up getting, I mean, it was probably a dream finish for the tournament organizers. You get Finau, you get Rory, you get JT, 
uh, you know, it's a murderous row of guys that are right there at the finish. What was it like being out there? It was cool. Like, so obviously I went there Tuesday. I was there Tuesday and Wednesday. Right. And so practice rounds, a lot of stuff going on. Took your daughter. Pardon me? Took your daughter. Yeah. Yeah. So we went on Sunday. So uh, even Rory's group on Tuesday, like for those who may or may not know, like obviously like the Canadian Open wasn't held for a number of years because of COVID. So right. they, this was like the first time actually back, like truly back. They had tournaments on the PGA Tour during that week, but it wasn't the Canadian Open. And I think anytime you get a fan base, just like we're here in Boston, right? Like the US Open doesn't come here every year. Like it's it's crazy around this place right now. It's nuts, right? Yeah. So to have that in and have it as a Canadian, it has it as a national open, similar to when we have, when the Raptors, when the Raptors were in the NBA finals. Hey, speaking of Boston, <laughs> we got the Celtics as well. Uh, th there's a lot of energy coming through, right? And for Canada, like our, the whole nation basically kind of felt like it was behind the Raptors at the time. And it felt like there was a lot of people with their eyes on the Canadian Open last week in the golf world. And again, speaking to that practice round, I saw Roy very early. He was one of the very first ones off on the Wednesday, but it was still busy. Like it was very, very busy to see players go through. Speaking of Sunday, yes, I did take my daughter. Uh, we went early. We saw Rory on the range as they went to go leave, and then we were out. You know, yeah. we saw that crowd around 18. That's not someplace <laughs> I want uh, someone under the age of five kicking around on a Sunday She's afternoon. She's going to ask you a couple of questions on the way home that you probably don't want to answer. Yeah, so we, uh, <laughs> we we got to watch that scene on the couch at home. So that to me is always a fun way to experience it. But, you know, I was I was excited to see it. And literally, you couldn't have asked for more of a dream finish to have Rory and, and JT yeah. down the stretch. And Finau, who drained that big putt on 18 to take the solo second. Yeah. So we'll see what happens this week. So Rory made a change last week that flew totally under the radar. I, I'll even admit that I didn't even notice it until the TaylorMade guys pointed it out. He actually switched three woods mid-tournament. I'm trying to think if he ever, ever hit like a, a shot that was uh, of major consequence with the three wood because he was pounding the driver. Well, I mean, at a course like that, you're, you're gonna, you, I mean, if you're hitting driver well, that gives you a, a massive advantage. But I, I'm, I'm with you. The interesting part was the why. And so the, the why that I got was the the sim. You and I both hit sim before. I mean, that thing is a rocket ship. Still in my bag. Yeah. It's nuts. It's, I mean, we, we've seen Rory still plays it, Victor Hovland. Although yes. that's, his, that's his Caddyshay Knights three wood, as, yeah. we, as we've talked about on the pod before. It, it is. It's one of those that you can't seem to get out of guys' bags. But the reason why Rory went from sim early in the week to stealth was because the stealth for him, he's able to work the ball a bit more. And so he needed, he or he wanted more workability going into the weekend because he felt like with the conditions, that was more of a benefit than just having a bomber three wood. I think if you, if you talk to, to club fitters, that original Sim Titanium fairy wood was low spin to the point of like driver numbers, which was in, like crazy. And the Sim 2, they brought it up just a tiny little bit. And that's where a golfer's going to get that workability from. So those who are kind of like trying to figure out what that really means. With the stealth, it was kind of the same thing. Like, you can get driver numbers out of it if you want, but you get that extra workability because the shape's a little bit smaller, and everything about the design is intended to help with that. You know, work again, workability and control. Because it's one thing to have a fairway that goes really, really long, but for those guys to be able to control trajectory in the wind and here at Brookline, like it's, it's I don't know if we're going to see too, too much wind. It's really nice out right now. Uh, but if, if you're hitting a driver almost too far, right, you got to be able to dial it back, right? There's no point having two clubs to go the same distance. Yeah, exactly. And we are uh, team 
no three woods. So. Yeah. <laughs> and here we are talking about three woods on this podcast. So uh, that's something new. But let's get into the US Open. You know, I, I was out there today and I, I saw a couple of things that surprised me, a couple of things that impressed me. You got a couple of scoops too. Again, you can't, can't use I, those. I got, I got a, a, a fairly sizable scoop and it just happened to be on the practice range when Brooks Kepka walked up and was hitting some chip shots and next to him was Justin Thomas. And they're just kind of bantering back and forth. And I heard Brooks ask JT, what ball are you playing? And he says, 2021 X, meaning 2021 titles, Pro B1X. Yeah. And it's one of those situations where you're going, that's weird. Like, why does, why does Brooks care <laughs> what golf ball Justin Thomas is playing? And so with, with my handy dandy camera, I started snapping some pictures and lo and behold, Brooks is out there on the chipping green using a Titleist golf ball. And that's, I mean, you and I know this, but for those that don't, Brooks Kepka, who was by far the most successful free agent after Nike decided to dissolve its hard goods business, I mean, he, he's a guy who really, I mean, a lot of people wondered what he was worth. And I actually talked to some reps after he won the, the 2019 PGA and, and they said, you know, he's looking at probably five, six, seven million a year just for the gear. And that's not even including the golf, the golf bag, whether, whether he's going to be putting something else, you know, he's going to put a logo. I mean, he's already got the Nike hat. So Nike's, yeah. Nike's got him kitted out, but. There's a lot of money to be made, but he was making so much on the golf course, we really didn't see, he didn't really see any need to change. Well, then Brooks has the injuries, he, he's not playing as well, and he still, I felt like he wanted to capitalize. You, you can tell me if you feel differently. I felt like he wanted to capitalize. He, he was still a name brand at the time, so try and find a good brand to connect with, which turns out to be Cleveland Shrixon. Yeah, I think for him, one of the strongest parts of his game, we saw it from PGAs and US Opens, was not only driving, but also his ball striking. Yep. And the nice thing for him was before he was using the Mizuno wires. He was using the, I think it was the 900, then he went to the 919s. Yep. Uh, and for that, for him, he was using those without any contract whatsoever. And then he moved into the new Strixon irons, Z which, is a, which is a big deal, right? Because you, you use one brand of iron, you're used to the same look, you're used to the, some type of feel associated with it, right? Then he went into the new Strixons and was like, okay, maybe there's something kind of they're working towards here, right? Maybe he's looking, not that that was, maybe that was the catalyst, right? Like, Mizuno doesn't make a, uh, like a, they make a two-level golf ball, but there's nothing out on tour right. you using it. Uh, but then you get into Strixon, they have a number of different golf balls. They've got Cameron Champ using it, one of the longest guys on tour. And, you know, they are a, they're a manufacturer of golf balls, right? Like, they've got a lot of research and development behind them, so... To be able to fine tune a golf ball, maybe for him, I know there was the diamond that came out. There's lots of different options. He had a lot of high praise for that golf ball when I talked to him. Yeah, so I think for him, it, it just came down to using the irons. Let's try the driver out. Let's kind of work our way into different clubs. And obviously, for a period of time, they were working. He won with it, right? He did. He won Phoenix, I believe it was. He did, and that was that was really the point for him where. He felt like, man, maybe there's a reason for me to to start testing out the rest of the gear. So yeah, I mean, there that was sort of the impetus for him behind 
seeking out Cleveland Shrixon and trying to see if they could, could figure out some sort of a deal. And if you're being honest, like if, if you're already playing the gear and someone says, let's not really change much and we're going to pay you for it. Who's going to say no? Right? Well, yeah. I mean, you look at Scotty Scheffler in the deal that he signed with TaylorMade. I mean, with the exception of the three wood RIP to the Nike. Yeah, that's right. You know, it's it was really get paid for playing the same gear that you were already playing and having success with on the golf course. So, yeah, it, it's it was so it was interesting because Brooks signs that deal. And I mean, I was surprised because I thought he might just stay a free agent. And so he's now on the range as I'm watching him talking to Justin Thomas about Pro V1 golf balls, hitting Pro V1 X golf balls. I see him on the range and he's now hitting a tailor-made M5 driver. That to me was the biggest shock because yeah. we're not just talking about a driver that like was old faithful like last year. We're talking about a driver that was old faithful three years ago, right? Before and in like two, in, when you're talking about on PGA Tour, three years is an eternity. <laughs> I mean, to be able to go back to a driver from three years ago. Yeah. And that's changed a lot from a from a fitting perspective. I understand, like, if it works, it works. And, you know, we've done tests in the past. I've done tests in the past where off the middle, right? Most drivers are all pretty much they're maxed out. But it's as you get outside of that zone, right? That's where you start. That's where Taylor made with the carbon wood, right? You start to see those numbers expand outside of the face. That was the reason why they changed material. And you think, okay, well, maybe he'll try something from there, like a brand that he's familiar with. But he went back, quite like a few generations old for a driver. And he's not someone like Morikawa or Rory who hits way up on it either. So he's someone who's pretty, maybe more neutral. He's got a lot of ball speed. Right. So to see him go back to that is, is pretty interesting because, I mean, he was a good driver. I, pl I played that driver. Uh, but you saw a lot of players immediately switch from the M5 to the Sim. And the sim to the, not so sim to the sim two, and then obviously a lot of players players transitioned into the into the self. But to go back prior to that, it, to me was the biggest shot when you kind of texted you texted me saw it. I was like, oh wow, okay, like see some pictures. Oh wow, he's on right back to the M five. That's to me is pretty interesting. Yeah, it it definitely is. In it's all gear that he used to win major championships. Yeah, so he's he's looking for something. He's searching, and so. Um, I had a chance to talk to Cleveland Shirkson, to one of their reps, and they told me that they were aware, because I was curious. I'm not sure if anybody's gonna talk to me on the record about that, because yeah. it's probably not something that anybody wants out there, but I think they were prepared for it for this week, they being Cleveland Shirkson, and they told me that they gave Brooks the okay to go back to the old driver and the golf ball. So they're, they're giving him sort of a temporary release in those two products. He's still gonna play the ZX7 irons. He's still gonna play the RTX Zipcore wedges. And then he's gonna throw a couple of, of old faithfuls back in the bag for, for now. But they said that while it wasn't the perfect fit, meaning the ball and the driver, they're already working on the new product. And so they're looking ahead, meaning they are probably punting on, on this setup. That being the, the ZX driver and the diamond golf ball and just looking ahead. Cause I talked to Brooks when he signed and I said, what are you most excited about helping develop in the future? And he actually said the driver. So I think you're gonna see his fingerprints be on those products even more now that he's firmly entrenched in that group. He's probably gonna be working a bit more with, with those guys, testing more prototype product. You know, that's, if you're Brooks, you want gear that you're gonna be able to use for a full season and I, I think he just wasn't quite there yet and that's why they're letting him go back 
and we we've seen it with other players in the past. Like Strixon makes a great driver. Hideki their is irons are sneaky good. Sneak, I would say uh, the yeah. ZX7s and ZX5. I tell people are are probably the most underrated irons out there. Yeah, I know we talked before we got on, you know, about like those irons and kind of the series of irons that Strixon has had for a long time. They're very very good, and their drivers are great as well. Like again, Hideki's been using them for a long time, and. You know, we see him on the range with all kinds of different shafts and combos, but he always he's using that driver. And for him, he's been with Strixon for a long time. I think for Brooks to be able to help develop the next product is, is probably a big step. And for him, he's it's going to come down to the numbers. And you know what? They're going to be able to do that. So uh, excited to see what happens. Now, speaking of numbers, Rap Soto. Oh, man. Here we go. What a transition there, RB. Hey, I'm a, pro, I'm a pro at this. Thank I've done, you. I've done it a little bit in the past. Well, this, as you as you were bringing up, this episode of Fully Equipped is brought to you by our good friends at Rapsodo. The Rapsodo MLM gives you all the metrics you want, distance, ball speed, club speed, and launch angle, just to name a few. But where the MLM really shines is with the data visualizations that it can now provide. The Shot Tracer feature gives you video of your swing, plus a precise visualization of your ball flight and shot shape. The shot dispersion feature has a visual overlay of every shot you hit on the range. It's color-coded for each club with pinpoint distance and accuracy. The MLM also gives you really cool charts and graphs that can help you practice smarter, not longer. As I will say, that's a good thing. You can use it indoors, you can use it outdoors. It's extremely portable. Build custom practice plans based on your strengths and weaknesses. Get the launch monitor every golfer needs, the Rapsodo MLM. Go to rapsodo.com backslash fully equipped and use the code fully equipped, F-U-L-L-Y-E-Q-U-I-P-P-E-D for $100 off your purchase. And I got to say, I'm pretty glad that I was able to get through that ad read because a bug just like buzzed the down. I, yeah, I thought you were going to take one right in the eye there for a second. <laughs> it was very close. Anyway, rapsodo.com backslash fully equipped if you want 100 bucks off. All right. So. Brooks, I'm going to say, is going to be the biggest equipment story this week. I don't think we're going to see anything that's going to top that. And it's it's kind of surprising because just when I think golf can't get any crazier with all the live golf stuff, then all of a sudden you've got Brooks Kepka going back. You know, we had some of the guys I saw fill out today on the golf course, um, saw Kevin Na. Uh, there, there are the, the live guys that are in the field this week at the U.S. Open. I was wondering. I, I went out and followed Phil for a little bit to see what the reaction would be. Also, sports fans are are they're diehards, but they're true to their their home teams. So I wondered what the reaction would be. They love they love Phil. I think they, they just gave. I mean, it was, I mean the, he, he's giving them thumbs up. Everybody was was saying way to go, great shot, good to see you. There was there was not one negative word spoken to Phil. I got to say, I was a little bit surprised. Me too, <laughs> to be really blunt about it. Uh, I kind of expected a little bit of backlash. I know I heard when when um, you know, Bryce was just announced recently, like he got to the tee, there wasn't a lot of cheering, but there wasn't any anything negative, right? And I think if you go to a sporting event, especially golf, right? Like, you're cheering on individuals. So you're going to go follow the person. If you, if how many times do you get to go to a major championship, you're going to follow someone that you want to like be negative towards, or do you want to go follow someone you want to cheer on, right? You want to follow one of your favorites. And I think that's what we're going to see. And we still see it now is people are going to go follow their favorites. Uh, so in Phil's case, he's had a what 30, 30 some odd year career now at this point. He's got a lot of fans out there. Yeah. And being at a major, being his like vent back, like it's going to be interesting to see how the rest of the week goes. Uh, but yeah, you know, 
hasn't from an equipment side of thing. I don't think he's, he's really changing much. You might have a club that you would endorse in the bag this week. I heard him talking about the potential for a. He called it a two wood. You and I know it as a mini driver. Yeah, he's used this club in the past. I mean, Phil, of all the guys on tour, nobody's tinkered with more Frankenstein fairway wood designs than Phil Mickelson. I mean, he put the X-Hot 3-deep on the map, the deep-faced fairway wood that Cowley came out with that he won the 2013 Open Championship. He had the the Frankenwood, which is still one of my favorite clubs. I did a I did an oral history on that years ago, and it was fun to, to learn how they brought that thing to life in such a short window. But yeah, it looks like Phil might be using that club. And that brings me to a question that I had, which is what clubs are we gonna see guys add to the bag this week? Um, I've, I started talking to reps to see sort of what's trending. And it's, it's a lot of the things you'd expect to see at a US Open where we're talking about tight areas just off the green. Uh, a lot of the, the wedge reps that I talked to said the greens weren't really firm yet. They were a little bit on the softer side, but you just need to be able to hit your spots. So the one change that they were seeing was obviously fresh lob wedges. Yeah, for as much spin as you can get, and then also going to less bounce. And we've talked we talked about less bounce last week on the podcast in relation to not just wedges but irons as well. But we are seeing very low bounce to be able to nip it off the off the turf if you miss the green. Wouldn't be a kind of wedge that I would recommend a 15 handicapper <laughs> ever use. No. But when it comes to the best players in the world, yeah, you're going to see a lot of low bounce wedges this week. And I think yeah, I, I talked to uh, Mackenzie Hughes, Caddy. I'm just all about the Canadian content, really. Uh, I'm not doing it on purpose, but I just it's I, it's what you, it's what you know. It's what I know. So I, I was I had a chance to talk to him. I said, "Are you guys testing anything?" He did have an extra wedge in the bag that he was basically sat under one of those little neoprene ping covers. If you ever buy a set of ping irons and they get shipped to you, like same thing that you'd get from the factory, uh, that had a little bit of a grind on it, so lower bounce. But then they talked about the higher lofted fairy woods as well because. Greens at Brooklyn or the Country Club are not that big, and you mentioned slope, right? Like Gilhan's renovation was about restoring for the members as well as being able to host championships. They knew they were going to be able to host championships, but a lot of it is a lot of the renovations are done for members on the other fifty-one weeks of the year, fifty-two weeks of the year. Well, they don't play golf fifty-two weeks of the year in Boston. I was about to say, <laughs> if only. <laughs> so there, there is a lot of like undulation in the greens and slope, and so. They can't necessarily get them too too fast, but you're gonna. I think you're gonna see them speed up into the weekend, which is gonna be very interesting. But because they are not overly large greens, that dispersion out of the roughs can be really important. So I think we're gonna see some more fairy woods. I know I talked. Uh, I wrote a piece recently about. Let's get into that. What would you rather hit? And I threw it up on Instagram as well, where I just kind of asked the question: What would you rather hit out of the rough? Would you rather hit a hybrid or a fairy wood? And a lot of people said hybrid, and I was kind of expecting not the right answer, but like everyone's gonna be. Uh, everyone's opinion is going to be different, but you can always make a fairy wood play shorter. You just choke down on it. So you can steepen your angle of attack, but most fairy woods have more of like a U-shaped sole, like it's uh, like rounded from heel to toe. And because the faces are some oftentimes deeper, but they're also shorter heel to toe, as well as being rounded, they actually get into the rough. It's like an underrated shot. No, it's not It's not a sexy shot. But, oh, we just saw, just from just a moment ago, you know, you never hear that on a golf telecast when someone hacks a five wood or a seven wood 180 yards out of the fairway from like 
um, from a thick lie. But fairway woods do a really good job of that because you can get steeper, but when you're on the fairway or you're hitting an approach shot with it, it's gonna be able to go a lot higher. Center gravity's further away from the club face. It's gonna launch higher. It's gonna maybe spin a little bit more and you can get that ability to stop it on small greens. It's one thing to hit a golf club 230 yards. If it rolls out 40 yards, it's useless coming into a green. But if it rolls out five, now you've got a, a, a club you can really target in on something. Yeah, and I, from what I've been told, there are a lot of high lofted fairways that are gonna be going in the bag this week. Now, again, as we're recording this on a Tuesday, things can change, but that's what it sounds like. Seven woods, maybe some nine woods, well, uh, DJ had one a couple weeks ago, wasn't yep. it? At Southern yeah. Hills, he had, uh, they put a- He had a seven and a nine. Yeah. And like, he's someone worth, you know, someone that's like a nine wood, who's gonna use a nine wood? It's like, well, DJ uses a nine wood. <laughs> Cause he just, he's someone who de-lofts the golf club. You see it in his wrist angles into the ball. He compresses the golf ball very well. So to be able to get that shot that goes really high, you need that extra loft. You need something that's gonna come down. Like the three iron, I know I mentioned it earlier, we talked about Brooks Kepka. I remember talking to the guys from Zuno a couple of years ago with the 919 and some of the other tour irons. So like, why don't you do a three iron? Like people ask, because like, no one on tour uses a three iron. There's not a single player that uses one. So let's move into a utility. Let's you, and Titleist is the same thing, like the 505s or the T200s. Those clubs are designed to really start filling that gap because to, low screamers into a green aren't going to stop and they're useless. So I had a guy reach out to me a couple days ago, asking me if I could help him. He he had his three iron, his tailor-made P7TW three iron stolen. And he needs, he was trying to get another one back. And I thought, how many guys actually play a P7TW three iron? It cannot be that many. I mean, we're, we're talking about like pros. I, I don't even know a, any any pros really that would consider playing the three iron in that set. Scheffler plays the P7TWs, doesn't use the three iron, goes into a utility. Yeah, but because he, he goes into the Shrix on utilities in, in his setup. I mean, he's, he had a three and a four in that at one point. Like Fleetwood, same thing. He was using those irons, doesn't use the longer irons, right? right. Transitions into those higher lofted fairy woods. Um, the, there's just not a lot of room for that one. When we talk about optimization, people think, oh, driver this, driver that, right? But like, you wanna optimize everything in your bag. It doesn't matter what club it is. It matters what distance it goes and you gotta find the tool for that job. So whether it's high lofted fairy woods, utilities, and then into your irons, who cares about set makeup? You, you just try to piece about like what is used on bags and tour. Like you see more wedges, you see these higher lofted fairy woods. You don't see these long irons anymore because although they are some of the longest golfers in the world when it comes to off the tee, they still need to be able to stop it, right? They're not playing links golf all the time. They're playing yeah. golf courses where you have to hit it a very particular distance. And that's more important than hitting it like longer distance. Specific distance is way more important. The, as you mentioned, the, the bag setups that were on tour, of course, as we're talking about the proliferation of the four wedge setups, I mentioned that there were a couple of guys that had five wedge setups. And somebody asked me, well, what do you have to do to your setup to get to five wedges. How, how would you figure that out? I mean, Phil did it at 20, in 2013 Open Championship when he removed driver and just used that X-Hot 3 deep. Yeah. And he was, able to, he was able to add a fifth wedge, but it's definitely not something that I would ever recommend. I don't think you're gonna see a lot of five wedge setups for the week of a major. You know, they, they're gonna be trying to dial in their gaps, but 
you still want to have something there towards the top that's going to that's going to get out there. I mean, Phil's going to have two options. He's going to have a driver, but he's going to also have a, a mini driver in the bag as well. But yeah, I, I was my response was just don't don't worry about it because I don't I don't really see a scenario where five wedges for the average golfer is a, is a thing that they would need. Yeah, I I know people will learn pretty quickly. Like I talk about my dad a lot when it comes to golf clubs because he's like the bounce the springboard for all kinds of like what would a normal high handicap or like mid handicap golfer use? And for a long time he had a a gap wedge, a sandwich, and a lob wedge. Like, why do you, you never need a lob wedge. You're messing yourself up. It's a shot you're gonna hit worse. It's gonna put you in more worse spots than it is in good spots. So his highest lofted wedge is a 56. I think a lot of golfers would, would do well with that. Once you start getting into, when you're, you're having a lot of indecision around mm -hmm. the greens, should I hit a 50, 54, 58? You're like, let's really simplify here. Let's not make it yeah. more complicated than it has to be. That's the same for gapping, just like I mentioned with the fairy woods. That's the most important thing when it comes to wedges. So for the most precise players in the world, you could see a couple of players trying it out. But for the average golfer, maybe stick to your three wedge setup. Yeah. And when in doubt, just live by the words of Bob Vokey and Roger Cleveland, who are the goats when it comes to wedges. They both are totally against amateur golfers, mid-handicappers, high-handicappers using a lob wedge. And we, we saw it because... I, I think Cleveland offers a higher lofted one, but I mean, Vokey at one point did a 64. They went I mean, back to a 62. They didn't offer it anymore because they saw what consumers were using. They saw what their fitters were recommending. They offered it for a year because they thought people kept asking for it. They wanted to offer it and then they pulled it back because they realized that players didn't need it. Yeah. You know what your dad could use? Golf Pride's new CPX script. He would love the all new Golf Pride CPX script. Because it is the CPX is the softest Golf Pride performance grip yet. Now, the one thing that sets the Golf Pride uh, CPX apart is the diamond quilted pattern. So a lot of people are familiar. You know, you're a kid, you ride a BMX bike, you get those cool like squishy handles on your on your bike. They've taken that same texture pattern with a new material and made a golf grip that is extremely comfortable. And it is all weather. It's all rubber. We see a lot of softer grips that may be made of dual material. This is a, a single material golf grip that is nice and soft. It helps reduce vibration. So when you're on the golf course, whether it's an early morning and you haven't hit one a little thin, those aren't very fun ever, but it gives you the opportunity to not get as much vibration because that, mean, that can mean practice. That can mean you know playing 36 holes. Everyone's hands are gonna get tired from holding a golf club and the softer grip that you have, but still offering that control and that performance when it comes to vibration reduction can not only help reduce injury, but also help you play on the golf course a lot longer. So if you're curious about trying the all new Golf Pride CPX grip with the EXO diamond quilted pattern, head to your local Golf Pride retailer or check out golfpride.com to find your local retailer or buy them directly. There we go. All right, a couple of things that I saw that I would, I would definitely say caught my eye you seen the tailor-made staff bag so cool so i messaged uh what do it's, you call it's it? the best one i've ever seen and i and I, it's not even close i i'm lucky to have see i did like the tory pines like the sunset one. i thought that was really cool it was cool but th this one is this one's on another level yeah because even i've had like i the one that i do own which i think i'm very thankful for i do have a us open pebble beach one but i saw this and uh matt bovey from tailor-made had shared it in his instagram story he works on the iron team and I sent him a, a not so family friendly message. I was like, whoa, that is probably the coolest looking bag. Cause 
everyone you see the american theme a lot of times with right. the u.s open of course and with the masters obviously we see green but it was a complete off the wall idea to go with like the tea stain boston tea party all of those things to throw all of those details into a bag it makes if you ever see one of these things in person you kind of walk around and go what does that detail mean what does that detail mean and there's so much that those designers put into it they absolutely killed it yeah so go check it out we posted it on social media you can go check it out on taylor mates it's so it looks like the bag was dipped into boston harbor and got soaked with with tea i mean it's it is a very i wonder i would love to know how they got that finish on the bag because it it's not it's not consistent it's not uniform yeah it looks like in some areas the the tea stain is heavier than in other parts it's it's like a kid who did like a a history project yeah and you'd like dunk the tea bags and then you'd throw it all over your your paper to make a fake map yeah to make it to kind of do that i'm i'm sure there wasn't someone walking around the headquarters like slamming tea, tea bags all over this golf bag but uh i think they do they do do such a good job and i can't imagine like the timeline that goes into like putting all those things together that to me makes it so cool and they do a good job hiding it too yeah it's always like this big reveal some again most of the time you see like the red white and blue kind of motif for the us open this was again shocking and awesome yeah it's again truly one of a kind i think if any of these end up in the wild they're gonna go for for serious cash yeah would be they, my guess they did a they, i think the head covers as well they did like a limited release and they do some they always do some cool stuff they you throw them up there but they don't do they do a limited release right so it's like a, a sneaker drop or something right, right. You, you see them hit the secondary market and they go up pretty quick by the way speaking of things hitting the secondary market i saw that a container of tea from the boston tea party <laughs> sold at auction recently really $87,000 for, for a glass canister of tea. Interesting. That's like something I want to knock off now. <laughs> How do you authenticate that? Do you that's like what, date it? Like, that's what I want to know. Like, is there somebody out there who can authenticate tea from the 1800s? Like, it's not even old enough to like carbon date. Like you could, you know, use half-life carbon, do like, a, like, you know, figure out like how old a fossil is. Like what? Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. I, you, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna jam some some tea leaves into a glass container and make it look old, sell it for some coin. And hey, hey we're in Boston. We know we got to capitalize on the on the hot take right now. So that's people good are idea. crazy. That's insane. I like yeah. yeah. I know this is an audio medium, but I got a weird look on my face. I'm like, how would you like go through? The, I just the authentication process would be, who's gonna authenticate? Like I understand like, here's an autograph and here's an example. Who has an example of a dirty water to show off and be like? Oh no, that's definitely the same dirty water that we had in the tea in like before. So I don't know. Eighty-seven grand, huh? Yeah, that's pretty 87, good. That's somebody had a lot of extra cash to blow. That's that's all I can think. It's it's like what's the Seinfeld episode with the piece of cake and then Elaine eats eats it. Like, would you do keep it in the fridge? Does it go molt? Like, I don't know. Very odd. There we go. That's a good one. Uh, the other thing that caught my eye—it's actually not new, but I didn't realize the backstory. Aaron Wise is using an old ghost, tailor-made ghost Corza putter. And I'll post some pictures on social. It is it is beat up. And it actually used to belong to Casey Martin, who was Aaron's coach at Oregon. And I had to ask, I was like, what's, what's the backstory with this? And he said that 
Not only was it Casey's, I guess Aaron was struggling his freshman year of college when he was at Oregon. Casey gives him his putter. And at the time, this was a 49-inch anchored putter. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So so Aaron used it for a while. Actually won some college tournaments with that putter. And I, I was like, do you know the backstory? Is it just, is it just like backup that he had in in his closet and he's like no actually it's the gamer that he used when he qualified for the us open nice <laughs> he just never gave it back and he's like i don't i don't think i don't think casey cares yeah but it it is showing some serious wear it's one of those cool putters but it just you, we talk about durability of clubs you know the dark finishes that we see on irons and wedges nowadays which are really popular and you always wonder how long is that finish gonna last? I mean, that was back when TaylorMade was putting the white paint on. That was the first, I think that was the very that first was, like ghost putter. Was yeah. that one with the three lines and the like cutout at the back? Yep, for for basically for a ball. And it's, it it. I mean, this his putter had just paint chips everywhere. And that was back before they really started to to refine the, the paint finish on those to try and ensure that it wouldn't do that. But it just goes to show you, I mean, that was, Back in what 2010, I guess was, I would say it was probably before that because I remember on. that putter came out when I was uh working golf retail, and like I remember like working in the store because of the finish, you'd see people walk around the putting greens, you'd always be like, you always put it back on the shelf and make sure it doesn't like hit anything else, so you didn't make sure you didn't chip the paint or anything. Yeah, um, I had one of the ghost tour putters from a few years after that model came out, and I remember the first time I threw it in a live off machine. And I, it was my mistake. I got it too close to the hosel because it, it was a slant neck. Mm. And I put a little nick in the, the hosel of it, like literally brand new, put a nick in the hosel, took the white paint, took the white like coating off. And I thought, well, it's a gamer now. But since then, there, there was no issues. But you would see with those those original courses, uh, if you bumped it the wrong way, you might get a little chip on it. But uh, his his definitely shows its age. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a putter that I love to see. Any, any of those old gamers... Speeds gamer, Tigers obviously. Yeah, Wise is now up there as one of the, my favorites that I see. Um, all right, so before we close out this episode, let's make our picks. Okay, yeah, let's do it. Who are you taking? So I'm going to stick with. We did a piece for Golf.com. Uh, I was it was under the expert picks. I don't know if I would necessarily qualify for that or not, but uh, I don't think I've ever picked one correct, and yet they still put me in the expert pick. So <laughs> yeah. you're, you're okay. I went. Uh, I went I, I full team Ireland. I went Shane Lowry. I really I really like that pick because he's he's trending upward right now. He played well at the Masters. Yep. Uh, top twenty five at the PGA. He he ranks very high in proximity to hole, which plays a, a, an important factor. And you know, it's I, I think he's again he's, he's he's played very well. He hasn't missed a lot of cuts. He's done well in majors this year. Uh, so he's my like obviously not a dark horse pick. Uh, if I and my dark horse pick, I'll make you give one now too. Uh, was Seamus Power. So Seamus Power as well has, has played very well this year. Hasn't missed a lot of cuts. Uh, he's, tri- he's top fifty in the world, and I think he's I, when I saw the when I did the pick thing, it was like hundred to one. So you a top fifty player in the world at hundred to one. It's a pretty good deal. Um, and because he's not, he's under the radar player. So for him, he's my he's my sleeper. But I, I think Shane's gonna have a good week. I like those picks, especially the Lowry one. I went a little bit deeper down the the line when it came into my favorite for this week. I'm thinking Webb Simpson. Interesting. He was plus 6,600, which is really good value. 
And I don't think it would have taken him because he was struggling with his irons, but ever since he went to T100, the titles T100s, at the PGA Championship, he seems to have found something. And I mean, iron play was probably the best part of his game for like five or six years in a row. I think he was one of the he was one of the best when in stroke scan approach the green. So for a guy like Webb Simpson to sort of find it again, plus he's already won U.S. Open. I I kind of like that he's not one of the the big names at the top. Every time I take a big name, I took Scheffler to win the Masters. Um, I took. Scheffler to win the U.S. Open, that also, or the PGA Championship. Sorry, that did not work out Didn't well. Didn't work out that time. Trunk, trunk slamming, but yeah, it's. I'm, I'm going to go a little bit deeper down the line. In my dark horse was Phil Mickelson, <laughs> because I said if the golf gods have a sense of humor, yeah, they're going to let this one ride. At least keep him in the mix going into the weekend. I think you would not get a more interesting weekend if Phil was was in it for sure. I, uh, I want this to happen so bad. See, I want I want Phil to be there on Saturday and to just just I want a chance like he doesn't have to be in the top five top 10 but just hover in like top 15 so he's in the conversation do you ride for the lefties is that a thing no like, no I, I I mean sure why not like okay. Phil, Phil was Phil was my guy like growing up just because he was a lefty but it, it's not like every lefty that comes out they're not they're not <laughs> like my quote-unquote favorite guy out, out on tour I wasn't a big Mike Weir guy so we brought it back to Canada again. I I was like, uh, I, I can remember when Mike won the Masters, like seeing that and-, and It's gotta be a big deal. It was huge. I, I literally remember where I was sitting. And I remember the whole, like he came up way short on the approach putt and, and had to make that long one to get into the playoff. And that was kind of the culminating moment because the playoff was nothing to write home about. But uh, yeah, you know, like there's not that many lefties out there, but you know, when you say the lefty, everyone knows we're talking Phil and that's a, that's a good dark horse pick. Yeah. I, again, I just want it to happen because I want the golf gods to have a sense of humor. Complete chaos. We're yes. just going to send everything into complete and I'm, chaos. I'm all about the chaos. All right. Before we close out this week's episode of Fully Equip, I want to let you know that it is brought to you by our good friends at Global Golf and their All About You campaign, which consists of the You Try, You Trade In, and You Select programs. The You Try lets you try brand new clubs and tech for two weeks, where, when, and how you want. Love it? Keep it. If not, send it back. The U Trade In provides the easiest way to help you get what's next for less, offering the best value for your gear, and you receive credit towards a new purchase. And the U Select program allows you to personalize recommendations from a PGA professional to help you find the best gear for your game. If you want to allow, learn more about the All About You campaign from Global Golf, go to globalgolf.com. I think it's a pretty good place to close out this episode of Fully Equipped. As always, if you want more gear news, you can check us out on social media. We are at fully underscore equipped on Twitter and at Full Cup Golf on Instagram. Thanks to the Barmore for having us. RB, this was fun, man. That was good. And thanks for the people that are here tonight and uh, Barmore for hosting us here. And we're going to have a lot of fun. And stay tuned for everyone because we, we shot a little video today too. So that'll be uh, coming out soon. For sure. And go Phil. We'll see you around. <laughs>